welcome to Earth Original on Spotify. My name is Shujai Prashad Chatterjee. I'm an interdisciplinary artist and I'm with an iconic Vedic teacher, Dr. David Frohley. Um, let me tell you about the Anchor app to begin with. It's easy to use, it's free, no need for any expensive or any fancy equipment. Just let your hearts out and go casting, heart casting. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on Earth Original on Spotify. I'm with David, David Frohley. Uh, the first question that uh, comes to my mind um, as a performing artist is, uh, performing arts has to do a lot with Vedic literature um, and I'm very keen on knowing that from your perspective who's probably not an Indian but has embraced India in a completely different contour and topography in in terms of the Vedas uh, could you could you uh, uh, could you talk about your journey a little bit how did you begin with this uh, yes. Dr. Frawley yes it's it's a very interesting somehow I had a certain resonance with things coming out of India uh, in my late teen era, there was a lot of gurus coming from India, mm -hmm. and uh, I came in contact with teachers and teachings like Paramahansa, Yogananda, mm -hmm. Maharishi, Maharishi Yogi, of course, or even traditional figures like Ramana Maharshi, Sri Aurobindo. Mm -hmm. And their teachings and their personalities and their knowledge and their consciousness had a very profound impact. And then studying the philosophies, the literature, uh, the yoga tradition, that also opened up new dimensions because I'd already studied a lot of the Western philosophy, psychology, even the other religions of the world. And I found that this whole yoga Vedanta, Vedic approach to knowledge, self-realization, truly resonated along with ideas, karma, rebirth. I think so knowledge on. is the basis of any discourse or philosophy. Um, when you were embracing uh, all this, uh, and you were talking about these gurus mm -hmm. who've influenced your, your outlook, your mind, in shaping up your um, perspective on develop, developing your own uh, you know, outlook of uh, the cultural heritage of India, and now you're, at, uh, you're one of the uh, most celebrated speakers at Earth, which is a culture quest. Um, as the initiative. Um, I am very, very intrigued to ask you um, what in the Indian uh, religion uh, diaspora uh, mm -hmm. that kind of drew you? Uh, what is your uh, outlook to Hindutva? Yes. Well, I was... I ended up in a very interesting position mm -hmm. because on one hand I was taking all these Vedic teachings to the West, yeah. introducing yoga, Ayurveda, Vedanta, even to ashrams, yoga centers in the West. And then coming into India, I was asked to speak about these things to the Indian mm. audience, why they should preserve their culture, what its value happens to be, all of that. So I was caught in that dual role of uh, taking it to the East and taking it to the West, both ways to be kind of maybe a spokesperson or a translator of the uh, tradition, which brought me into contact with many great teachers and teachings. And I was also maintaining a sadhana and all of that, so we can experience these things within our own consciousness and life, rather than having them just simply be some idea, some academic pursuit, or even some uh, belief. And that also, got, I was also able to meet with most of the gurus teaching in the West and most of the gurus teaching uh, in India, mm -hmm. and get an understanding of the depth and variety of the tradition, while many people from the West would follow one guru or one teaching and not know the greater tradition behind it. And so based on that knowledge, uh, my work was to emphasize how all these things fit together. 
that yoga, Vedanta, Ayurveda, even uh, Jyotish, music, dance, Sanskrit, temples, all of these are part of a single cultural, spiritual heritage, something that's actually even beyond ordinary words and definitions, and learn to appreciate their interactions and interconnections, telling people in yoga they should learn Ayurveda or they should learn uh, Vedanta, telling people in Ayurveda they should learn yoga, all of that to kind of sustain the interconnections and the integral nature of these teachings and traditions to update them. But also I started off with the oldest Rig Veda and wow. to maintain connections back to the ancient rishis. You know, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Frawley, what is very interesting as a performing artist for me is, um, you know, as I chat with you um, on Arts Originals on Spotify, I, um, uh, I'm very uh, interested to know that a lot of uh, classical uh, arts is uh, inde indebted to Jayadev's Gita Govindam mm -hmm. or, you know, Divya Pravandham's. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, a lot of uh, classical dance in Bharatanatyam, they, they borrow a lot on the, from the texts of uh, Divya Pravandham's. I was I'm very keen to know that uh, religion, mm -hmm. uh, doctrinization, vis-a-vis mm -hmm. -vis, uh, yeah. discourse, yes. how do you look at this? I mean, it's, it's all about yeah. doctrines, you yes. know? Yeah, but you have to understand that religion is a Western word that mm -hmm. has a different meaning. It reflects certain ideas of monotheism, polytheism, which mm -hmm. really aren't appropriate of course. in the Indian context. In the Indian context, it's an honoring of the sacred. It's an honoring of a deeper consciousness that pervades the whole of life. Dharma, cosmic rhythms, cosmic creativity. Uh, so we need to look at it in that regard. In that regard, it includes in one uh, overall scope everything you could call religion, art, science, culture, not as separate or apart from one another, but as the whole of life, because that is, that is the whole of life. We are not compartmentalized. And in the Indian tradition, that idea of expanding into the whole of life, the dance is also connected to the whole of, of life. Course. It's sacred, but it will also cover every mundane aspect of life it does. Uh, as well. So too with the music. So this idea of sacred versus profane you have in the West doesn't apply. This idea of religion as simply a belief system or a doctrine doesn't apply. Mm -hmm. But there is the deep spirituality, the pursuit of the sacred within, uh, the honoring of the divine in all aspects of nature and also ultimately transcending outer names, forms, and words, yet while embracing all the beauty and abundance that we have in all the forms of nature. This is beautiful. Um, it's very exciting at one level also. So, um, you know, it shows that uh, you're a Vedacharya, you're a Vedic teacher. We were just talking about this, uh, Dr. Frawley. Yes. What is the divide between Indology and uh, Vedic teaching? Yes, Indology, was originally a term uh, invented in the West for the colonial study mm -hmm. of India, mm -hmm. uh, supported by the British. It also had certain mm -hmm. cultural or political aims. And then it became a kind of a broader idea for the study of anything Indian. So the question is, to understand these teachings like Vedas, how can you really do it? So from our standpoint, you need to understand the teachings from within. For example, in all these Vedic and even Hindu things, everything is a sadhana. You cannot understand the performing arts, the music, or the dance, yeah. simply isn't from an intellectual critique on the outside. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the Indologists have been looking at Vedic texts according to Western thought, uh, whether it's mythology, whether it's anthropology, whether it's uh, comparative religion, even politics, economics. 
But the sadhana view is different because the tradition is a pursuit of consciousness. It's not simply about outer things. It has that inner dimension that's not normally part of Western intellectual uh, discourse. In fact, the Vedic discourse is to help us move beyond body and mind to a universal understanding of existence, not simply to get caught up in physical or personal or social uh, parameters. So we emphasize teaching the Vedic disciplines in an authentic way, whether it's Ayurveda, you know, whether it's Vedanta, different paths of uh, yoga. So that becomes more experiential, and that becomes then uh, part of a deeper inner quest, not simply an academic outside approach. Oh, that's 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 beautiful. When you say that you write on crucial contemporary issues that affects the Indian polity today, yes. uh, are you? Uh, what are you? Uh, what are you hinting at? What do you think is uh, dividing uh, the diaspora today? Is it religion, or is it lack of belief, or is it direction? Yes, uh, Sujoy, this is a very important topic. And essentially, it's part of what's happening in the world as a whole. Okay. We have all these different cultures coming together in various ways. We have multinational corporations coming into uh, villages. Uh, we have languages changing. We have cell phones going to children and they lose their own original uh, language. So for me, the important issue is to preserve the civilization of Bharat and also to renew it according to its uh, deeper values and its relevant teachings. For example, one can argue how much of modern science is in the uh, Vedas, but the science of consciousness is better represented in the yogic and dharmic traditions than it is in modern science uh, today. So it's a question of identity in India. You know, there's only one India. We don't need India to become another state like the West, the Middle East, China, whatever. There needs to be the uh, preservation of that deeper civilizational value as part of our global human heritage. And throughout the world, many indigenous cultures are being undermined and eliminated. India has the most of those. So I think that is the issue. There's been a tendency to try to define India as after 1947, when the fact is the India that is Bharat goes back 5,000 years. It doesn't mean you have to be caught in a straitjacket. This is a very vast and diverse uh, civilization. But to me, these civilizational issues are important and educational issues, preserving these traditions, whether it's Ayurveda or yoga or all these different things, the music, the dance. You can see what's happened to Western music and dance. <laughs> you can see the traditions going on here. So those are, I would say, crucial issues. There are social political sides because certain, for example, certain vested interests politically uh, want to undermine that traditional culture and create something that's more Marxist or more progressive according to a certain idea. And so all this clash of cultures, civilizations is going on uh, in India. And it's, I think it's very important that uh, India's role is understood and respect is given to the traditions, not blindly, but that there is a great civilization here that needs to be upheld and maintained. And it's not just a question of making India into another country like the rest of the world. Fantastic. Friends, you're hearing uh, me, I'm Shudoy Prashad Chatterjee. I'm with uh, Dr. David Frawley on Earth Originals on Spotify. I hope you have the Anchor app because it's easy to use, free, no need to for any expensive or fancy equipment. Just speak your hearts out, cast your hearts out on Spotify. Um, 
Dr. Frawley, as um, a journeyman in this uh, little tete-a-tete uh, that I am with you on, I'm very, I'm very keen and very curious to know how um, how you're presenting or what in Earth 2020, A Culture Quest, which is a Z initiative, um, what would the audience uh, expect to hear from you? What's your, what's your discourse in this yes. uh, in this forum is going to be? If you yes. could uh, talk to us about a little bit about that. Yes, uh, Sujo, it's yeah. a very vast forum from yeah. many topics okay. at different sides. Okay. And I'm usually there to uphold kind of this, uh, I would say, hopefully more clear view of the traditions, whether here the Sanskrit language mm-hmm. we're discussing, the, foundation of the culture that way. Uh, there's also new insights as to ancient history, and now we're discovering that India may be the oldest civilization uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. There's also relevance of traditions like Ayurveda. I've worked with Ayurveda, spreading that uh, globally. Mm-hmm. We see how yoga and Vedanta has moved and uh, worldwide. And so from my standpoint, I can perhaps give another view, because I'm coming at it from a different perspective, and yet over years, I've had a certain uh, range of experience mm-hmm. and communication yeah. that has been fairly rare, particularly for somebody born in the Western world. Friends, I'm on Earth Original on Spotify. I hope you have the Anchor app, which is easy to use, free, and no need for any expensive or fancy equipment. Just cast your hearts out on Spotify. I'm with David Frawley. My name is Shujoy Prashad Chatterjee. I'm an interdisciplinary artist. And... Uh, Dr. Frawley, let's talk about how you handle the political divide. How, how do you, what were, what were the challenges that you faced in this yes. journey? Well, you know, I started studying Rig Veda in the original Sanskrit. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I saw that it was portraying a history, a culture, a civilization very different than what historical commentators were saying. So I immediately, I cataloged over 150 references to the ocean in the Rig Veda. And I came up with different books, God, Sages, and Kings, or Myth of Aryan Invasion. This was some 30 years ago, saying we need a new historical paradigm uh, for India. But when I did that, I was immediately politically attacked by certain people, I guess you would say, on the far left, and kind of uh, condemned as right-wing fascist, (laughs) even though as a teacher of yoga, Ayurveda, and vegetarianism, all these things, we were heavily in the ecological movement, we were hardly there. So I saw the political divide going on in India, that there are forces that want to keep India after 1947 and not really honor the ancient uh, traditions or turn them into museum uh, pieces. And from that, I was also able to meet with a lot of uh, groups throughout India, including RSS, VHP, but even uh, Sadashiv Dangi, a communist leader. So I was able to see the divide and the issues uh, going on. And my feeling coming from the West is that the Indian traditions need to be preserved. You may need to reform them on some levels, that is fine. But this effort to throw them out, to discredit them, to uh, deny them is uh, certainly inappropriate. And it's not of any benefit for Indian civilization or for world civilization not to preserve these teachings, because in my view, which is also the Vedic view, we as human beings are not just physical creatures. There's a deeper consciousness, divinity, evolving through us that we need to bring into expression. And simple materialistic political ideologies can't do that for us. We need a deeper spiritual yogic paradigm, and that's what you find in the greater dharmic traditions and in India's dharmic civilization overall. 
That's that's so beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, keeping in mind these these challenges that you you faced and the way that you have, um, as as I saying as I said earlier, that you you kind of uh, you know kind of developed your own perspective about the subject. How do you see global perspectives changing mm-hmm. about Indian religion? Yes, yes, Sujoy, it's very important. Now that India is rising and having more confidence in its own traditions, the rest of the world is simply accepting that. And we have to understand that India now is a much stronger foreign policy, much stronger presence in the world. And even though you'll notice that on, take for example, this reintegration of Kashmir, there was some criticism inside the country and a little bit outside the country, but there was no global outrage at all. India was now accepted that is a powerful country, it can make its own destiny. And you'll see that this idea of India as its own center of civilization, people look up uh, to India. Uh, foreign dignitaries are happy to go to Kashi. It's not just a matter of uh, India trying to be like the West today, but India is able to be as uh, India. Yeah, so the Muslims were already a, anyway a part of the civilization. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to find out from you is your perspective on how do you see this... Uh, Uh, entire issue of communalism that is being bred. Well, this is very interesting because India, which is Hindu majority, is the most pluralistic democratic country Uh in the region. And I wouldn't just say it, I don't like to use these these just geographical terms, but there's an Indian civilization. It's because of this Bharatiya civilization, it's Hindu but also Buddhist, Sikh and even Sufi. Uh, because of that, India does have this pluralism, this variety of teachings and practices. So there's much less communalism inside of India than outside of India and Pakistan and Bangladesh. And sadly, I have to say, traveling throughout India, I still see a lot of the villages and even the Hindus targeted by evangelical missionaries with lots of money from uh, overseas. We don't actually have a situation in which, uh, the, and, and in fact, overall, there's freedom of expression everywhere. And there are actually, uh, you know, even insurgencies or even separative movements going on. Mm-hmm. So I don't see India as a monolithic majoritarian state. And I think that's a totally wrong uh, perspective. Uh, India is a vast and diverse, but it has a cultural identity that needs to be preserved. It can accommodate many different groups. But this whole approach on consciousness, self-realization, all the freedom of music, art, uh, expression, India doesn't need to become another Saudi Arabia, it doesn't need to become another uh, China, it doesn't need to become another Germany. There needs to be the preservation of the essence of Indian culture and civilization. And I think that can be done without being uh, communal. At the same time, sometimes the communal bogey that's raised is false, because when people have pride in India, I'll tell you, you know, when I first came to India, if you were to say you were Hindu people, they would say, no, I'm not a Hindu. Or they would say, I'm a Hindu, but I also follow all the other uh, religions. No political leader uh, would say that, whereas you have Islamic State next door, all these things. So there has been a Hindu awakening going on, and I think that's overall very good. There may be certain excesses that have gone along with it, but that often happens when a certain group awakens to its uh, identity. So I think that needs to be uh, acknowledged. Take, for example, Persia. You know, Iran is only 60% Iranian. (laughs) You have all the other ethnic groups there as well. So India doesn't have to be 100% anything, but there is a certain heritage there that people honor as the Indian 
uh, civilization. And of course, if people don't want to follow that, that is also okay. But I think for the country as a whole, the honoring of its traditions is a good thing. And particularly when we honor the spiritual, yogic, uh, dharmic approach. And then I'll just hear quickly, China became communist. And when China became communist in the Cultural Revolution, a lot of Chinese culture was destroyed, that even today they're trying to recover, uh, but have not been able to do so. India's had a strong Marxist communist influence in academia and the media that also has tried to undermine or debase, uh, belittle the culture like Kumbh Mela, all so, these things. So, so how do you look at, uh, uh, you know, religion uh, like Christianism or uh, Judaism, vis-a-vis yes. -vis, uh, the Indic, uh, yes. uh, do you think they have, uh, they are also homogeneous, they also have their own cultural identity? Are they doing anything to add yes. to the global culture? Yes, well you have to understand these are all, each thing is a little different. The Indian civilization you have now, the Vedas being chanted 5,000 years later. Mm. You don't have that in the other uh, cultures. Right. Yeah. In the Western world there's an abandoning of belief-based religions overall, there are some exceptions, in favor of experiential spirituality. So I would say... Can you explain that? Yeah, because belief-based traditions, you're, you're saved, you go to heaven because you believe in some God, Savior. And then, but you remain the same. Mm -hmm. And experiential spirituality, you're exploring higher states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of simply having a belief, but of a lifestyle, perception, way of life. And that's what you have in Dharmic traditions. That's why the emphasis on meditations. You also have that in mystical traditions, even in not only Christianity, Islam, Judaism, but even a lot of the native traditions, the Greek, the pagan, Native American, uh, Native African. So our point is that we need to move more into that experiential spirituality and honor that wherever we find it. Of course. But of course. it is not part of a global missionary business. I know. And it's not part of, it's honoring culture. We want to preserve the indigenous people throughout the world. And uh, for example, in the Northeast, you have uh, many of that, and of course, much of that in different parts of India uh, as well. When you talk about indigenous people, when you talk about indigenous arts, uh, anything that is indigenous um, takes, needs support uh, to survive. Yes. Do you think religion can support indigenous uh, it depends on how the religion is done. For example, we work with the Native Americans, mm -hmm. and we have a, uh, a village of 3,000 Native Americans, and they have 20 different missionary centers there, and moving them away from their traditions. So spirituality should come in, not simply religion as a belief system, and spirituality that says not only there are many paths, but that the spiritual quest is something sacred and within, it's also part of greater cultural values, and we need to kind of give it its full expression. It's ultimately in silence, it's ultimately beyond uh, concepts, and it pervades the whole of life and all of humanity. There's no believers and non-believers, we're all human beings in the universe, and we need to discover the universe within, the entire universe within us, as Upanishads say. Um, I'm going to close this uh, chat with uh, David Frawley uh, on Earth Originals on Spotify with um, uh, my name is Shujoy Chatterjee and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this journey of, uh, yeah, this journey is nothing less than a cultural quest which Earth 
talks about. Um, I was wondering that uh, as we close this uh, discussion, you've written more than 40 books uh, published in 20 languages worldwide. Um, is there a book that you're writing at the moment? Is there something that is uh, on your mind? Is there a subject that is intriguing you at the moment? Yes. Well, I just want to mention one book I did uh, just recently through Bloomsbury, which is called mm-hmm. What is Hinduism? Okay. A Guide for the Global Mind. Okay. And there I've tried to take all the questions people may have about what is Hindu Dharma, how is what his practice mm-hmm. is, social, political, philosophical, mm-hmm. spiritual, mm-hmm. and give uh, contemporary answers and ways of relating to it. Because again, in the educational system in India, even the Indians are kind of taught to look at their own tradition in an outside view, often with an alien terminology. Mm-hmm. And then I've just finished a book we call The Yoga of Consciousness. Mm-hmm. But that's a different thing. That's the study of waking, dream, deep sleep, the Turiya, the Samadhi state of yoga, so that we recognize that every day is an adventure in consciousness, from the body to potentially the highest self-realization and cosmic awareness, if we can become awake and aware at every moment. So that is something new. Uh, we also have many books on other aspects of Hindu Dharma, Waken Bharat, and Arise Arjuna. We have whole collections of books on Ayurvedic medicine, yoga, tantra, uh, Vedanta, ancient history translations from uh, Vedas and all the rest. It's a very rich tradition that never ceases to inspire you. Know, uh, listening to you, I'm tempted to quote uh, Ravindranath Tagore, who, uh, whose uh, ideas on religion were very profound. Of course, his religion was the religion of man. Mm-hmm. That, uh, there was a very interesting lecture that he mm-hmm. delivered in Shantaniketan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I remember it's a, it's a series of lectures called Religion of Man. Mm-hmm. And when he talked about the religion of man, he talked about a more profound uh, bond that unites people more than dividing people but uh, at the same time when I hear you speaking I see uh, a light uh, a light of joy a light of enlightenment uh, which uh, is what uh, going to uh, enlighten people's soul and he says which means that uh, uh, drench me in this uh, ocean on, uh, in, in this waterfall of life of light and the song goes um, Beautiful. Situation. Thank you. Thank you, David. I, I was tempted to sing this because when you were talking about uh, how, uh, how religion uh, and uh, I see religion as light, as, as direction. Yeah. Yeah. Jyoti. Jyoti, yeah. So um, I wanted to sing a couple of lines of uh, my homeland to kind of uh, round this up. Um, so, friends, we were on Earth Originals on Spotify with um, uh, Dr. David Frohley, and we're looking forward to hearing Dr. Frohley speaking in Earth 2020 as the initiative. I hope you have the Anchor app, which is easy to use, free, and no need for any expensive or fancy equipment. So, friends, keep casting your hearts out on Earth Originals with Earth Originals on Spotify. 
Thank you, David Frawley, for your fantastic insight Thank into you, culture, Sergeant. the culture quest, the earth defines so many.